that's what I'm going to talk about this morning. When God puts you under stress, God's not going to let you. Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease? While others fought to win the prize and sailed through stormy seas. No. God's not going to let us get out of this thing without a little stress. Why? Because stress will push us in the right direction. If you're a born-again Christian and you love Jesus, it'll push you towards him. Not away from him. It'll push you towards him. The troubles that will come into your life as a born-again believer will, will help you. They will, he, they're not meant to destroy you but they're meant to take the dross out of you, the imperfections out of you that you and I will not take out of ourselves. We won't do it because we won't put ourselves through that kind of pain because we love ourselves pretty good. And we, we take care of ourselves pretty well. But God says, well, I'm going to let some things come into your life that's going to push you in the right direction so that your eternity, not only this life, but your eternal life will mean something, something more. You're not here just to work. Uh, go to bed, get up, and do it all over again. You're here for a larger purpose, a bigger purpose, to serve God and to see something eternal come out of your life. Take your Bibles to Mark chapter 6, verse 45 to 52. This passage appears in three different Gospels and is uh, uh, well-worn, well-preached, often preached by pastors all over, evangelists preach it. I love to preach about the life of Christ, but I've never preached this message before all these years. I missed something that God let me see here a while back. I'll put it together. Mark chapter 6, 45, 52, and straightway he constrained his disciples. I hope you, if you mark your Bibles, and for those who mark your Bibles, let me give you some heads up. You may want to highlight constrained his disciples. To get into the ship and to go to the other side before Bethesda, which he sent away, uh, while he sent away the people. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, circle that, underline midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling. You want to highlight that. He saw them toiling and, ro- and rowing. For the wind was contrary unto them. About, and, and this is the part that I saw that I never have seen before. The fourth watch of the night. So if you want to highlight that, that'd be good. He cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. But, he would have passed by them, but when they saw him. Walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out. They were scared. Grown men, grown, mature men, scared to the bone. My dad in World War II, uh, he took the fourth wave on Saipan and the first wave on Tinian. And these are tough jarheads. These are Marines. And his uh, sergeant had been, it was a, he, you know, he looked up to his sergeant as one of the toughest men he ever knew when his sergeant took some shrapnel into his stomach area, uh, he cried for his mother. He saw men, growing men weeping in the LST as they were going towards shore. Growing men weeping, broken, because they were facing death. See, you don't get too big, tough, and brave to cry. You just need enough pressure. 
And you'll cry out. These men did. And they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. Now, if you know Christ, your personal Savior, you know you know you're born again today. Now, if you can't say that, I, I, I doubt whether you're saved. I mean, it's possible you could be saved recently and not know it, not have good assurance of it. But if you've been saved very long, you know you're saved. You've got Bible verses you can go to. You have the witness of the Holy Spirit. Your change of life has been obvious. And so you have a, a testimony from God to you that you're saved. If you're saved, those words mean a lot. It is I. Be not afraid. Why? Because you love Jesus. He loves you. You know it. Just like she's saying. And he went up unto them, under the ship, into the ship, and the wind ceased. Now, and they were sore amazed. That is wildly amazed. And in themselves, when it says beyond measure, that's just they've never been amazed like that before. And they wondered. And for they considered not the miracle of the loaves, which they had just gotten done with, for their heart was hardened. Their lack of sight created a lack of faith even though they had just seen a fabulous miracle just before being constrained to get in the boat. Like I said, this passage has been preached every imaginable way. I preached a sermon on this passage, uh, not, of this, not from this one, but from the parallel passage where Peter asks uh, if he could get out of the boat and walk to Jesus. And that's usually normally what's preached. And I preach a message called, Get Out of the Boat. And uh, that's not going to be today, though. I thought I'd mention that to you, though. So, but it's, this is, uh, this is a little something different, uh, something new for me. Jesus, let's go back and look at the passage again, quickly review a few points this morning. First, I, wanna, I want you to notice that Jesus constrains them to uh, get into the boat and go. He constrains them. Uh, these, uh, a few of these guys were fishermen. A few of these guys were raised on the Sea of Galilee. Bill Wolf and his wife just got back from Israel. They've been to the Sea of Galilee. It's a, it's a seven-mile wide and 13-mile long ditch. It has mountains on both sides uh, with the Jordan River flowing out the southern end, and then the northern end, the river comes. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a V-shaped ditch, and it's pretty deep. I think it's about 1,300 feet deep. If I remember, I may be a little wrong on that, but it's deep. And the wind will come down from those mountains with on both sides, and it's like a wind tunnel. It's, it's a wind tunnel, and deep. Now, you that know the water, deep and heavy wind, big waves. Deep, heavy wind, big waves. You could die in the Sea of Galilee easily. They knew this, and they knew uh, the weather pretty well. It was evening. They knew the wind was coming. They're sailors. They can look. They can tell. Jesus knew that they were going to struggle a lot that night and tempting to row some seven miles across the Sea of Galilee in the dark. And on a clear day, by the way, if it's daylight, you can see from one side to the other. Um, it's, and, you know, seven miles, if you're up a little bit, you can see that far pretty easily. Now, Jesus had just fed... 5,000 men. The Bible says 5,000 men, not counting women and children. And most people guess around, I mean, just the most safe guess possible, 15,000 people. That's just really the most conservative guess you're going to have 
possible, but I believe it was way bigger than that. I think there were 25,000, 30,000 people. Wouldn't surprise me a bit. Uh, and they were there following Jesus. He had been healing. God, people had gathered around him. They were following. They were kind of in a wilderness area. They didn't have anything to eat. He tells his disciples, give them something to eat. Uh, one of his disciples said, all we got is five loaves and two fish. That's it, five loaves and two fish. What is that for so many? And uh, Jesus says, well, okay, that's enough. They gathered, uh, and he prayed over it, and they began to hand it to him. And the Bible says they gathered them in 50s, I believe it was, and they fed them all. And at the end of that thing, they had 12 baskets full. And that's one basket of food for each disciple, if you, if you picked up on that, full of fragments. Uh, have, have, let me ask you a question. Have you ever given your five loaves and two fishes to Jesus? A lot of times we think, well, all we got, we don't have much to give to Jesus. You don't have to have much to give to him, but he's got a whole lot to give to you. But if you don't give him your little five loaves and two fishes, you're not going to ever get the full basket back. And you're never going to be able to see 25,000 people fed on five loaves and two fishes. Now, you'd have thought that would just flat out knock their socks off. I mean, wouldn't you? I mean, you'd have thought it would, but they, the last verse says they, they didn't pay attention to it. People say to me sometimes, if God would come to me and appear to me, I'd do what he's told me to say. Well, you know, I have to tell you by experience as well as by the Bible, I'm going to say that's not true. I mean, these men saw, to me, would have been the greatest thing in my life ever to see that many people fed from just a, that little bit of food and then have 12 baskets left over. The Bible says they didn't pay attention. Isn't that interesting? Uh, if you won't believe what Moses and the prophet writes, if you won't believe the Bible, you won't believe the one was raised from the dead. You heard that last week. You, you wouldn't believe if, if one of your relatives came back from the dead and said, I've been to hell, I know what it's like. You'd say, oh, you're nuts. You're crazy. So as Jesus constrained these disciples to get into the uh, boat, so he also will constrain us to get into those scary situations that he wants us to get into. He knows they're dangerous. He knows they're not practical. He knows, it's, he knows to us it seems unreasonable, but God says to do it. And if God says to do it, just do it. Every missionary out on that board had to make that decision. God wanted them to go to some foreign country, leave their land, leave their motherland, leave their parents, leave their grandparents, leave the security of the law system and everything else, and go some crazy, I mean, you know, Bangladesh, Susan Edge, you know, down to Bangladesh, one of the poorest countries in the whole world. Uh, cyclones, and I think they call them cyclones in that part of the world, hit them all the time, uh, all kinds of poverty and things and hostile environment, and yet that's where God wanted her to go. That's where she went. But you know what? She's seen God. She's seen God work. So we learn, we learn some things from the parallel passages of this. First of all, we learn, we learn that they rode about 30 furlongs. That's about 3.75 miles. Isn't the Word of God accurate? 2,000 years ago this was written, and you can go and measure, uh, you can go and measure the Sea of Galilee today and find that that is about, as they say in the, in the South, smack dab in the middle of that place. The Bible's accurate in its figures. Check it out. I had a guy this week tell me, I don't know if the Bible's true. I said, listen, 
I've been in the Word of God for 45 years. I've looked at that, I've looked at it in every way you can look at it. Archaeologically, is it true? Historically, is it true? Factually, is it true? Scientifically, is it true? And I can say after 45 years of serious looking, I said, I'm not a blind man. I'm not an idiot. I don't want to give my life for something that's false. I can tell you, I believe the Word of God is God's holy Word more today than I did when I was 18 years old. You can put your life on the Bible. Prove it. Try it. Don't believe what people say about it. Get in the book. Well, we learn they were in the middle of the lake. There was a great wind blowing. And this lake is a dangerous place to be. They knew it as experienced fishermen. The Bible says that Jesus saw them toiling. Right now, now, you know it's night. We learned, you know, one thing you learn about reading the Bible, Jesus, he's not just a man. Jesus Christ is God in every way. He had the ability to know what men were thinking. He had the ability to see in the dark. The psalm says God sees in the dark as if it's the day. He had the ability to multiply these, these few fish uh, food and feed all, feed all those different people. He had the ability, the Bible says he'd go in the, into towns and heal everybody that was demon-possessed and everybody that was sick. Uh, he had the ability to cast out demons in every manner. He had the ability to calm the raging storm when he said, peace be still. He was not a normal man, but he was God manifest in the flesh. That's what the Bible says about him. And because he's God manifest in the flesh, that means he can do anything and everything that he wills to do. And that gives me some security when he says that I can be saved through faith in him. It was just a man told me that I was going to be saved. I wouldn't have a whole lot of security because men say all kinds of stuff. But if it's God that says that, that he, I can be saved through simple childlike faith in Jesus and what he did, then I've got some confidence that this person, which controls everything and has made everything, and by him all things consist, he'll accomplish what he said he was going to do. Glory to God. No wonder the deity of Christ is attacked by the cults in every direction. Because if they can break down who he was, then they break down the importance and the power of what he said. So Jesus, seeing this struggle against the raging of nature, uh, and is there, there that, by the way, they've been up all day. They've been up all day. Uh, you know, I, something, something's happening to me, Doc. Something's happening to me. Something's happening to me. I'm telling you, I am going through a metamorphosis. Eight o'clock last night. I told my wife, I'm going to bed. Now you got to understand who I am. I'm, I'm a guy that stays up 11, 12, 1, gets up at 6, don't need but three, four hours sleep five, for most of my life, and something's happened to me. Now 8 o'clock comes, I can't even think straight, man. I try to read the Bible, and all I do is hit my forehead, hit the book. Some of you come here to sleep. I'm not as old as you now. I'm not as old as you yet. Maybe I'll have sympathy when I get there. If you see me up here and just kind of doze off, well, it's over. Time, time to go. But Jesus sees them with his struggle. But he doesn't right away jump and go help them. He doesn't jump and go help them. The Bible says he waited to the, this is what I picked up. He waited to the fourth watch of the night. 
Now, I looked up the word. I, worked, I did a little research on what the fourth watch was. Fourth watch, Marine, you know, first watch, six to nine. Second watch, nine to noon or to midnight. Uh, the third watch from midnight to three, and the fourth watch from three to six. That's the Roman army's uh, watches, and that's the kind of watches the Bible used here. And it says the fourth watch of the night, that's 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. You've been up all day. You've been active. You've been passing food out, gathering food. You've, man, you've had people all over. You know, you're shot. He constrains you to get in this boat to go across seven miles. He says, I'll tell you, by the way, row seven miles. They'll all look at each other and say, Peter, you're the leader. Jump on it. So maybe Peter and John, Peter grabs one or John grabs the other or maybe James the other, and they start going across the lake. You know, they're fishermen. They know. But they, there's this wind comes up. Now the wind's coming. That boat's going all over the place. They're trying to row, trying to save their own lives. It's in the middle. Of, they are exhaustedly tired. Jesus sees all this and waits to the fourth watch. I don't know what part of the fourth watch. Was it 3 a.m.? Was it 4 a.m., 5 a.m., or 6 a.m.? But if it had been in any of that, it had been the fourth watch. That's what got me. That, that got me. The Lord may see you. In fact, he may put you into a struggle. Somebody called me up a while back, and they said, Preacher, this is the, I am in a horrific battle. He described it to me. It was a horrific battle of his life. And I said, brother, God has just given you a desert experience. Just like he forced Moses into the desert. So now he's forcing you into the desert. Just like he forced these disciples to get into this boat knowing the wind was coming, they were going to have to row all night. And even at 3 a.m., 4 a.m. or 5, in that fourth watch, they were still going to be rowing. And they were only halfway totally exhausted, he's going to do that to you once, and, and I'm not saying every day, but he's going to do it to you in your Christian life. He's going to bring you to the end of yourself. That's where the best things happen to you and me. I don't want to go. Reminds me of the old song years ago, please, Mr. Custer, I don't want to go. I me remember that. You're old. Everybody didn't raise your hand? You're young. God bless you. But look it up on the internet. Please, Mr. Custer. Oh, those are brave people. Right. Please, Mr. Custer, I don't want to go. He allows the struggles to come in your life. I don't want any more. I'm going to say it publicly. I don't want any more tests. I don't want any more struggles. I don't want any more challenges. But that's not going to stop him. You know why? Because he knows what's best for me. And as my father, he's going to do what's best for me. And he's going to cause me to enter into the boat. But, 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 but it, the, the, the wind's going to blow away. It's evening. No! Get in the boat, son. I got some plans for you. Oh, no, not that. These boys weren't big, tough, and brave. They weren't big, tough, and brave. They knew what was coming. They were like, I don't want to go. But he said, go. And he watched them. It says he, he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking on the sea, and he would have passed by them. Ooh. You think all that toil was worth it to see Jesus walking on the water? 
they needed to see that. They had missed the miracle of the loaves and the fishes. They needed something that would get inside those old boys and stick. Something that they would understand that the God that they serve can do anything. Brother, you and I need to know that. Oh, the devil wants to try to defeat you by trying to discourage you and trying to think that God loves, he loves Brother Nick and he loves uh, Brother Gillespie. He don't love me. Yes, he does love you. And if you'll trust him and you'll cry out to him like that, they're not wrong with being scared. They're not wrong with feeling like this is going to be it. But you keep crying out to God and he's going to come to you. Maybe the fourth watch of the night, by the way. He's going to come to you. How many people have missed Jesus because they weren't looking for him? I'm looking for him. How about you? Look for him. Look for him. Every trial that comes in my life, when I got cancer at 28 years old, the doctor, doctor said to me, he said to me, oh, my, you got a lump in there. And it took my whole thing, all my stuff out and, 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 and attached a bunch of 19 different muscles and different parts of my neck and did all this stuff to me. Then said, well, you need to have radiation treatments. And I'm 28 years old. 20-year-olds don't get sick. You know what I started doing? I started looking for Jesus. Looking for Jesus. Jesus is in this. He's doing this. He's allowing this to happen. God's going to use this in my life. And I can tell you, he's used it in my life over and over and over again for me to relate to people that are sick, relate to people that have cancer. I know what it is to get the bad news. Praise God, I'm still here. Some of you say amen. Some say, oh, me, but I'm still here. He wanted to show me that my life is not in my hand. And my life's not in a doctor's hand. My life's in his hands. And I'll go when he's ready for me to go. And when it's time. And he needs to teach us that without him, we can do nothing. Now, you know, you say, oh, Brother Bill, I believe that. Do you really? Do you really? You know, it's, we have an ego, don't we? It's so deep. We got an ego, the self, self-sufficiency ego that, you know, if we just put more effort in it, if we just dig down, if we just get harder on ourselves, we're going to make it. But there's some things that will come into your life you're not going to be able to worm out of, squeal out of, work out of, but God's going to have to help you out of it. These old boys, they weren't getting out of it. God had to come, and he did come. And he came to them at the fourth watch at the very end, but they were looking for him. Had they not been looking for him, they may have missed him. I believe whatever trial God brings into your life as a born-again Christian, he's in it. Look for him. Say, Lord, what? You almost can get a sense of excitement about it. I wonder what in the world he's going to do with this. What is he going to do through this? Why? why? If, you go to, if you go to Dr. Crabb next week and he says you got two weeks to live, look at Dr. Crabb and say, boy, oh boy, oh boy, do you want me to say hi to anybody? I got a bunch of people, by the way, if you're going to go, I want, them, I want you to say hi to them. Oh, man. I go, to people, I go to people's deathbed, and a lot of times I'll say, would you say hi to my mom and dad if you see them? They'll say, I will. Brother, oh, death, where is I sting? Oh, grave, where is I victory? The sting of death is sin, the strength of sin is the law. But what? Thanks be to God, which gives us the victory in Jesus Christ. That doesn't hold 
And now look, I know at the moment of death, I may be like these people in the boat, but you're going to look up and see Jesus saying, it's I. It's me. Be not afraid. Fear. We're, we're, we're naturally fearful. And in, in that moment, you may be fearful. Death has a, has a dark countenance to it and a fearfulness to it and a, and a specter to it. But by the grace of God, whenever it happens, I believe Jesus is going to show up uh, even walking on water and say, it's I. Wow. When, by the way, when they saw it, when that happens, when that happened, that knocked their socks off. If they ever had their socks knocked off, they were in the boat that night had their socks knocked off. And by the way, it made them shout. The Bible said they cried out. You know, God wants to do something to make you shout. I mean, you know, in heaven, if Episcopalian is saved, he's going to shout. I mean, if in heaven, if they're Presbyterian saved, they're going to shout. Brother, I used to say, well, I'm not a very emotional person. I don't shout. You will. You will, brother. Brother, God, God will take you to the place where you will shout. You will get your socks knocked off. you got to get real down before you get real up. you got to get real thirsty before water has a... Ooh. I'm not talking Pepsi. or You're not thirsty enough. Get real thirsty. And what you want is water. Forget the sweets. I want water. Water. Cool water. When I played football, I played football for Elkhart High School. Had 110 guys go out for football. In August, it's hot in Indiana. I know you have a hard time believing that, but it is. And uh, they wouldn't let us drink for two hours. And they'd run us and 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 just run us and run us and run us. And, and we were real, they were real health conscious back then. When we all, 110, black, white, yellow, red, every, every race, creed, and color there was on that team. And they would take one hose and open it up. And then boys would stick that hose in their mouth and give it to the next guy. I think of how germ-phobic we are today. 110 guys all drank. We didn't care. I didn't care what that guy looked like or where he had been. Just give me the hose. I got to have some water. You got to get real thirsty. And God, in your life, will sometimes allow you to go so far down that when he brings you up, you're going to be a different person. You're going to be more grateful than you'd ever been before. You're going to, you're, it takes great, great joy does not come without great sorrow. Uh, I, I just believe, I, I believe in some cases heaven's going to mean more to some people than it does to other people. I may be wrong on that. But it just seems like some people in this life, uh, examples, if, you, if you've never walked, if you've never run, uh, Chris Powell had polio at 17 years old and played football up to that time and got polio. Some of you remember when polio was active. And he got polio and, and lost the use of his really two legs. So he never could run again. I just got a feeling running's going to mean more to him than maybe me. What do you think? And when he hits heaven that first time and God says, okay, run over there and get that. 
Yeah, I'm going to go run, get it. If you've never seen anything, born blind, somehow it just me, I just feel like when you get to heaven and you begin to see that God's, it's going to mean something. Great sorrow produces great joy when God relieves you from it. So what's he doing in your life? He may be allowing you to have some great sorrow so that ultimately you have some great joy. They were sore amazed, it says. Not a little, out of, not a little but sore. They were maxed out. I asked Siri how to spell this. I don't know if you know this, but your phone will help you in spelling. I'm not a good speller. I'm a horrible speller. I was taught sight spelling, sight spelling, not phonics spelling. At school here, we teach phonics spelling. I wish I had learned it. But you got about a two-year window to learn it. That's it. Because I've tried to learn it since then. I have a closed mind. But I have a sight spelling. So I, I said this. I said, Siri... Spells supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. And she spelled it. I couldn't believe it. After that, I said, give me the winning lottery number this week. I'll repent for gambling, but I'll tithe on it. I've never bought a lottery ticket. But I was thinking, you know, I mean, they were amazed. In order for God to be big, you and I have to get small. These, these old fishermen knew their way around the Sea of Galilee. They knew it. And probably never thought they'd get in a position where they thought their life was coming to an end. The fourth watch of the night, Jesus let them get to that place. So when he did come, when he did come, he would be big. And they would be small. Remember, the bigger God gets to you, the better it's going to be for you. See, I realize this. I, I did a talk show one time, and this Jewish uh, uh, host was a, uh, a conservative Jew, possibly a Reformed Jew. He didn't believe the Bible at all. He didn't believe the Old Testament. He didn't believe any of the miracles of the Old Testament. And I believe them all. And so... Trying to express this, we're live on the radio, by the way, with about a seven-second delay, so you can't stop. So I said to the guy, I said, the trouble with you, the trouble with you is that you're, you worship a small little God. And I'm a Gentile, and I worship a God that feels all. I worship a big God. You worship a small God. How big is your God this morning? The first little problem you run into, oh, God, I don't believe it. I can't. Don't do that. You worship a big God. You worship a God that is in control. You worship a God that does understand the details of your life. You worship a God that indeed, like she sang, does love you. I know it's hard to get your mind around it. I know it. That's why these passages are in the book. So that you'll get your mind around it. So that whatever trouble comes your way and whatever, whatever this world throws at you, but remember it's under the permission of God that he is somehow helping you and preparing you. I believe Dr. Crabb said, Psalm 107.1, God is good all the time. By the way, he has to bring you to a place where you use up all your options. <laughs> he knows us. I think I can overcome this without him. 
And so you, you try this, that don't work. Then you try that, that don't work. You don't think, you don't think that when them boys got, were rolling against that storm, that, that when the two guys on the oars got tired, the two other guys, let me have that. And they gave it all they had, and then they were, they were, they were shaky weak, and another two of them said, let me have that. And another two of them said, let me have that. Another two of them said, let me have that. And finally, they went through all of them. But by the time 4, 4 a.m., 5 a.m. showed around, all of them had been on oars, and all of them had expended all their energy, and they knew they were in deep they were trouble because three and, a, three and a half miles, 3.75 miles into this, we still got another three miles, three and a half, 3.75 miles to go. But then they looked up and saw Jesus. Be not afraid. It's I. Boy, I want to learn that lesson. Man, I want to learn that. I want to learn to trust him. I was walking around my house the other night saying, God, help me to trust you. Just help me to trust you. That's what this whole thing's about. Trust God with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He'll direct your path. He'll be there and say, be not afraid. It is I. Father, help us this morning. May the Word of God do its work. May the blessed Holy Spirit come. May you anoint your people. In a, great, in, a, in a crowd this large, you know that there's folks in here that are going into some trials that will humble them. And you know there's folks in this room that are in a trial that's already humbled them. You know there's folks in this room that are coming out of a trouble that had humbled them and they've trusted God and they've seen God. Father, help us to look to you. You say, well, Brother Bill, how could any good come of that? Well, you just got to trust God. That's where you just trust God. And you'll see in the end, you will see. The Bible says, herein is the patience of the saints. Tribulation worketh patience. Patience. That's waiting upon God in simple childlike faith until He comes. Father, help us to have that today. There may be some in this room that you've spoken to this morning. Encourage them. Help them. Maybe some here without Jesus as their personal Savior. In other words, they know about God. They know about Jesus. They know about the Bible. But they've never personally asked you to be their Savior. Been willing to turn from their sin and trust you. As a free gift, receive eternal life. As a free gift from God. Believe that Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again the third day. On a simple, childlike faith, say, Brother, I believe. Help them unbelief. If you'll come to God and say, I am a sinner unable to save myself by any amount of good works, and I believe Jesus did what it was necessary to save me. I want to trust Him as my Savior. God will save you. But you know, you need to ask. You need to ask. Maybe we could help you today with that. We'd love to. On the way out, here, now, Invitation time, whenever you do it, don't leave here without knowing you know 
that you have eternal life in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Sing two if you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.